Hello, I'm Ray Reich, founder and CEO of RevOps Squared, and your host of the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. We talk to a wide variety of B2B SaaS and cloud thought leaders, executives, investors, and people just like you to discuss the metrics and benchmarks they use to make metrics-informed decisions. Now on to today's show. Welcome to today's episode of the Metrics Measure podcast. Today, we are joined by Jamie Shanks, founder and CEO of Sales for Life and co-founder of Pipeline Signals. Today, we'll be covering three main topic areas. First, pipeline growth, the ultimate B2B revenue leaders challenge. Second, this course signals to increase pipeline health and accelerate growth. And third, revenue intelligence. Is this the ultimate destiny for Pipeline Signals? Jamie, take a moment to give a brief background overview of your journey to becoming a guest on the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. Ray, thanks for having me. I am a teacher, consultant, owner of professional services firms, and essentially Sales for Life is a global sales training company that has been enabling the global enterprise and the global mid-market for eight to nine years. And along our journey, every seller to become certified in our program, which is a Think of them as 90-day blitz of time. Every seller has to select an account, plan it, engage it, and create a real-life sales outcome. And that could be into a net new account or an existing account. And they're documenting that journey in a video case study and a documented one-page kind of results readout, which their manager reviews. So along that journey, we certified a quarter million sellers thus far in our lifetime. And something started to arise. Patterns arose in which we could see how pipeline was being created. And it was being created primarily using signal intelligence or signals. And they come in various flavors. And for years, companies would reach out and sellers would put in support tickets and say, hey, you're teaching us to mine this signal intelligence out of tools like LinkedIn and creating advanced searches. But can you do this on our behalf? And I would blow these off and say, no, 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 we're a teaching business. We're a teaching business. And then COVID hit, and I had a dream with my business partner, Amar, of owning multiple businesses, and it gave us the opportunity to create a second company, which is a managed service version of Sales for Life, in which we actually mine signal intelligence on behalf of a sales organization of their entire total addressable market and all their accounts, and serve that intelligence back to them to make informed decisions. Well, Jamie, before we talk about this pipeline signals and that that intelligence that you're going to be serving up, I'd like to go back a little bit more to your own kind of heritage. And that's, you were a pioneer in social selling. As you said, you've trained over 250,000 B2B sales professionals on social selling. Can you share with our audience a little bit about how social selling has changed, especially over the last 12 to 24 months with the onset of COVID, virtual selling environments, et cetera. How has social selling changed? When I started this social selling journey, first, I had to spend years defining what is social selling. And most sales leaders at the time thought it was a magic trick, essentially. They were so accustomed to the phone, email, rinse, repeat as its core medium of communication. And we were introducing this third layer, which you could leverage tools like LinkedIn and Twitter as a means of both research and engagement to the sales community. And then around 2017, 2018, the word social selling hockey sticked 
on Google and everybody wanted a piece and we took off. But at the same time, the average chief revenue officer just still didn't understand it. They thought, again, it was a party trick. Now COVID hits and no longer are your field sellers field sellers anymore. They're not doing million dollar deals by pressing palms and eating baseball steaks. What they're doing is they're become very expensive inside sellers. And the whole world reverted to a virtual sales model and the medium of communication changed. Getting a hold of people on cell phones or email became increasingly difficult. And so the skill set of both mining intelligence and researching inside tools like LinkedIn and then engaging using those same tools, it became front and center of an important go-to-market strategy. And so with the way that social selling has evolved is it's no longer a what is this and why should we do it? This shouldn't even be called social selling anymore. And I, I used to preach this for years. This is truly just selling and you've just digitized the sales process in the way you collect information and engage customers. As you know, I've engaged Sales for Life in a couple of my companies, and I always like to measure everything. Thus, we have the metrics that measure at podcast. So I looked at what are the leading indicators that social selling was really helping us. And the metrics we used was pipeline growth generated by the people using social selling, so either the XDR or the account executive, because I believe in self-directed pipeline development for AEs. And I also looked at close rates and sell cycle time for the self-generated pipeline versus marketing generated. But Jamie, one of the things I also noticed, we just conducted research with Tech Target and Tenbound, was the amount of time that my XDRs and the salespeople were spending actually doing outreach decreased because the amount of time they were doing research, account list development, and even account list prioritization, who do I reach out, that went up dramatically. So the first question I have for you is pipeline development. Has the challenge of that discipline really increased over the last 12 to 18 months, or is it getting easier with all these tools and techniques? I actually think it's become more difficult and more complex, and this is going to revert back to my learning business. I believe that the skill and capabilities, skills and capabilities to learn to become an effective, we'll call it prospector or sales or self-generated pipeline developer, they somehow got muddied or lost in the wash over the last, say, decade. There's been a lot of innovation, both in tools and in education, but very few of us were teaching the art and science of prospecting and pipeline creation. So you have an entire generation, not only has you know, if you think back into the 80s and early 90s, the amount of investment made per seller in soft skills was much greater than it is today. Now it's more about like micro bursts of learning. So I think you have an entire generation of sellers who have in many companies, especially in software companies, been virtualized sellers from day one. You know, you're 27 years old, you're left to your own devices you maybe were being measured on inputs rather than outcomes. And you, you haven't been kept abreast of what are best practices to sales or self-generated pipeline. And so all the tools in the world are just exacerbating a problem is that you just don't know what you're doing. So my humble opinion is that prospecting and pipeline creation has become more difficult because of lack of education, skills and development, and two, you're also now just pushed 
millions of field sellers to an inside sales role. You know, they're not meeting the customer face to face. And their skill set was from sales qualified lead to close. So they were negotiators, pricing negotiators, they were deal managers, they were customer relationship people, but they weren't door openers. But now you've asked them to take a 10 year step backwards to be door openers again. But Jamie, wait a minute. We have all this amazing technology, such as sales intelligence, firms like Zoom Info that tell you who's the right buyer, what's their technographic and firmographic profile. Now we have the emergence of intent data. You can look at both first party and third party intent data. Hey, these people are in market looking and searching for things like you. With all this data and quote unquote intelligence being provided, why do you think there's still gaps? Do you think it's process or do you think there's other types of insights and signals that people just don't have access to or aren't using effectively? I think it's twofold. One is a gap of what to do with these insights or this intelligence. And I know this firsthand as we developed the second company, the managed service, it was unbelievable and I didn't expect it that as we brought on customers who were already enabled sales for life trained customers, they still required a vast amount of education as to what is a signal? Why should I care? What do I do with it? When do I do something with it? And so you can give people all the Zoom info information that they want, but if they don't know what to do with it, it's just unstructured data in their mind. So that's kind of part A, but part B is what has happened is marketing teams have had a bum rush all of a sudden into this world of buying intent data. Zoom Info, Bombora, demand-based, Sixth Sense, incredible tools. And what they're showing you is a piece to a puzzle. And so marketing over-indexed and started buying up all these tools that were showing who's Googling what keywords, who's on your webinar right now, who's downloading your ebook. And that is a piece to a puzzle. And that is showing that if you look at the book, The Challenger Customer, you've got what's called the spinning plate theory. And the buying committee is made up of somewhere between seven to 10 people inside a business, especially at an enterprise level. And what's happening is one person has the plate or the basketball spinning on their finger, demonstrating interest, intent, high education on your solution. But what is happening to the rest of the key stakeholders at the table and also the macro environment of that company. And so what we started to recognize was there was a flip coin to intelligence and that we called it compelling events. Compelling event intelligence comes in multiple flavors. They come in relationship roadmaps. So the connectivity between your past customers and your future customers, they come as time and maturity events. So did they just hire a brand new CISO? Is the HR department doubling in size in the last 90 days? And then there's competitive intelligence. So for every asymmetrical relationship advantage you have, so does your competitor. So who are they connected to? What experience do the CXOs of these companies have in relationship to your competitors? So it's like the opposite side, but equally important intelligence required to make informed decisions on what you just described. The time suck, which is account selection and account prioritization, because the sellers are sitting there saying, what do I do next? Interesting. So I think about this concept of account mapping or buying team mapping, and that shows who's all involved, where are the relationships, et cetera. It sounds like you're almost expanding that to a buying team graph 
that looks at other input variables, i.e. signals that are influencing the buying team's decision in their entire orientation. Correct. If you, if you really think about it, how does something get bought in a business? The company itself, Nuco, company XYZ, doesn't buy anything. It's the people within that company that make informed decisions to move the business forward or hopefully not backwards. And so human capital is who makes decisions. So what about if we tracked human capital? And human capital, they go into businesses, they take priorities with them. They leave businesses, they take priorities with them out the door. They go up in businesses, they expand, they retract. That human capital migration is one of the ultimate leading indicators to where investment dollars are going to be flown in and out of a business. They're like the early leading indicators to what are the top three priorities to a business. You know, Jimmy, totally understand if I'm looking to generate a new opportunity in a new account, one of the great ways to do that is if you have someone from an existing customer account moving there. That makes total sense. And I can track that with Google Alerts or other kind of alerts from LinkedIn, right? But my question is now, you find out that someone on the buying team has a relationship with my competitor or someone just came from my competitor's account, now knowing what to do about it. So having these signals is one thing, but knowing what my play to run is something different. So my question is, are we going to have to invest in new training that tells and shows salespeople how to come up with the right play based upon the pipeline signal you're going to be uncovering? So Ray, you're hitting it, you're hitting the nail right on the head. So if you think about prospecting, remember the word prospecting can still exist in both net new accounts and you still need to prospect in existing accounts for upsell and cross-sell. So I'm just going to use this ubiquitous word prospecting. When you prospect, there is a left brain and a right brain decision that happens at all times. The left brain is helping you collect intelligence to make informed decisions. To your point, it's given you the signal itself, but the right brain still needs to correlate all the, the other inputs that you might be getting on that account or that key stakeholder, and then decide the color palette of sales plays that you need to deploy against that account. Do I flank that key stakeholder and go around them because I know that they're a poison pill in the business? Do I tackle that potential poison pill head on? And I better educate them on what the opportunity costs, what they be, might be missing if they didn't go with us. Do we leverage our like-minded customer base to educate on our behalf to that key stakeholder to give social proof? Like So to your point, the left side of the brain is the identification of the signal. And that's the part that the sellers struggle with. They miss, they hate doing. But then once you do hand them the signal on a silver platter, they still need to be able to make informed decisions and objective decisions as to which play is best suited for this particular situation in this particular account. And that's an education piece. Yeah. Let me ask you about this, because I mentioned the research we just did, and we asked what percentage of respondents actually were using intent data, right? which is very all the buzz today. I was really surprised about this, Jamie. 24% of the respondents said that their outbound team, their XCR team, on a regular basis is using intent data to change their outreach strategy, i.e. their message, et cetera. Another 20% that had 
access to intent data weren't using it consistently, which leaves, by the way, 56% weren't even using intent data today, which I was a little surprised at. So my question is, we already have something that's pretty good at providing a great signal that they're at least in market, that you're not just reaching out to people who don't give a damn about what you're saying. How is now layering in pipeline signals? If we can even get more than a quarter of people to use intent data, why are they going to start using pipeline signals on a regular basis? It's a great question. And seller utilization is the key to all of this. And if I'm talking to my like-minded peers at Sixth Sense, Bombora, Demandbase, who are selling buying intent data. The one thing that I've learned in the last eight to nine years is the amount of education of any new tool, methodology, or process is much more substantial than you initially think. Sales for Life has really been teaching tools like LinkedIn Sales Navigator at a race car level experience for years. And it's unbelievable how many sellers had Navigator, and it was shelfware for them. And they had all this immense horsepower sitting right in front of them. They didn't use it. So this will be the number one challenge that my company, Pipeline Signals, will have to overcome. And it won't be in the details of mining the intelligence and managing gross margins and all those sort of things. I believe that seller utilization, specifically around education and overt endless amounts of education, will be the only way that we get over this particular hump because those sellers that when they finally cross that chasm, it's actually unbelievable to watch the light bulb go off that they feel like they've been making decisions in the dark before. So give them a hundred accounts, which account do I call today? And if they didn't have buying intent or they didn't have compelling event intelligence, they were licking their fingers, putting it up in the wind and calling alphabetically through the phone book. Now they're making better decisions, but to your point, it's actually a small percentage of sellers at this moment in time that are driving through. And us, like everybody else, is going to have to really invest in education on this topic at the seller level. So, Jamie, unfortunately, we're coming up already on our time, but I have a couple more questions I've got to get in. And one is the return on investment. So we do all this benchmarking research in sales productivity as measured by revenue generated per resource, quota achievement, all the top of the funnel metrics, activity to conversation, conversation to meeting, meeting to opportunity, opportunity to close, they haven't went up. They have not went up in the last 20 years. In fact, they're going down with only about 54% of people even making their quota last year. And with XDRs, who are supposed to go out there and generate pipeline, right? They're actually, I think that the research said that only 30% even achieved over 70% of quota. Terrific numbers. So what are going to be those leading indicators, those metrics to say that investment and pipeline signal solutions are going to provide returns? Is it pipeline? Is it revenue? Or are there other metrics that you would say we got to measure to see if this is being effective? And this is a work in progress, fully admitting as this is a new business, and this is being pulled from the success of Sales for Life. So Sales for Life, we were able to correlate that we were on average increasing the pipeline coverage ratio of a business. Remember, there were dozens or hundreds or thousands of sellers at each account that were going through learning. And they were increasing pipeline coverage on average by 20% within six to 12 months. 
Now, if you look at what we're doing with pipeline signals, I believe there's two major indicators of measurement. One is going to be about the amount of time that each seller is being bought back for them. So this intelligence being supplied to them. How do we measure this? Well, the only way to measure that would be, I believe, is that the inputs are actually increasing. So that means the amount of contacts, connections, conversations, meetings are actually moving upward because they have more time in the day than they had before. Let's just hope that the sellers aren't using that extra time to go golfing. So that's part A. And part B is then I believe it's going to be pipeline coverage at scale. The pipeline coverage ratio slowly starts to, you know, it might've started at 2.6 times and then it goes to 3.1 and then 3.4. It's the measurement of the required pipeline against the amount of revenue required to be sold at that period of time. And for a lot of companies that sits somewhere between three to one to five to one ratio, meaning you close 33% or up to 20% of your deals. So that's how that's, I think it's measured. That's going to be really important, Jamie, because in our research, we've seen that pipeline coverage ratio, which as you explained, I want to say it again for a listening audience. It's the amount of qualified pipeline that you need to close X dollars of new revenue. Or at, new that moment, or, at that moment. And usually people look at it on a, quarter or quarter plus one basis. Now, the research to your point, historically, five years ago, a 3x pipeline coverage ratio was pretty good and you would make your number. I've you seen that increasing. Yeah. yeah. I've seen that closer to five in the last six to 12 months. Now, COVID impact a little bit. So if you can truly increase that pipeline coverage ratio, that's going to have a direct correlation to the number of CROs and heads of sales actually making quota. So that's the relevant metric, right? I agree, fully agree. And you know, my business is a sales for life. It's been a four to one ratio for eight years. It's never really changed. And so I always know that I need to have four to one at any given time. What that's going to be at Pipeline Signals, I'm yet to determine. Yeah, and by the way, you're very lucky, but Sales for Life was always viewed as one of the leaders in social selling. And what we're seeing in the B2B tech industry today is the proliferation of new accounts in every segment. So the noise and the saturation levels are much higher. So that pipeline coverage ratio is dramatically increasing. And it, to me, the bane of existence for every head of sales or CRO is now CMO too, is pipeline development. So there's this new segment that's come up, Jamie. It's called revenue intelligence. And that's using AI and machine learning and applying that to all the inbound signals you have, such as what is my pipeline? What's the amount of events or activities with an opportunity? So that helps me with forecasts. Do you think that pipeline signals, or I'll call it now pipeline intelligence, or at least account intelligence, is going to be part of the broader revenue intelligence landscape as we move forward? A hundred percent. And without forecasting my own future M&A event, there is no question that I, Pipeline Signals, is yet a piece to a puzzle. So I believe, and, and there might be more pieces to the puzzle than my brain has even calculated, but I believe there's three categories. In an account and the people within that account, if you're selling into Microsoft, let's say, there's buying intent. So there are those within Microsoft that are raising their hand and Googling keywords. There's what's called product usage or also known as workload consumption. So if they're already an existing customer, are they using the product the right way, the wrong way, more of it, less of it? 
And then there's this compelling events. So again, time and maturity, relationship roadmaps, competitive intelligence. There might and there probably will be more that evolve over time. But all of those components will eventually make up a RevOps score or indicators for sellers that yet I've never seen, but I believe will be the future. I love that. A revenue operations kind of account score. Love it, Jamie. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap up today. But for people who want to learn more about pipeline signals and how that can be leveraged to increase the amount of time that your sales team are actually doing outreach and increasing the conversion rates from outreach to opportunity, opportunity to close. How can they contact you, Jamie? Absolutely. So pipelinesignals.com. You can reach out to you know Jamie at pipelinesignals.com and happy to help be able to monitor and extract and mine this intelligence from tools like LinkedIn to help your sellers make informed decisions on sales opportunities and sales risk in accounts. Well, that's got to be a wrap to today's episode of the Metrics That Measure Up. Jamie, want to thank you so much for coming here and sharing insight about pipeline signals and account intelligence. And for our listeners, if you are enjoying the guest and the content we're providing to you, and of course, the metrics, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe to Metrics to Measure Up podcast from your favorite podcast app and provide us a rating and even your recommendation on how we can make the content even better for you. Jamie, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you for listening to today's Metrics to Measure Up podcast. If you would like to learn more about B2B SaaS metrics and benchmarks, please visit revopsquared.com.